Is there any way you want to be intro, Joe? I'm good. You, you do you, man. It's not like you can miss the T out of my surname when you're introducing me. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third View. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm the other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by an old friend of ours, Joe. Met him at uni. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it there. I'm Joe, <laughs> met him at uni, and here I am three, four years down the line. Yeah, computer science. We're, we're having a few computer scientists on recently, actually. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel, Aaron. Is that what I was going to say? <laughs> the, the minute I was invited on, I knew like it's gone downhill for you. All. <laughs> you made it sound so much. No, no. What, what do you mean? We had Alex on. That was a good episode. Actually, when I say we've had a few computer scientists on recently, we haven't really, have we? It's only Alex. Yeah. Unless I'm missing someone else. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Do you remember the first time we met? It was an excellent question. I remember the first time, like, seeing or knowing about Joe. What does that mean? As in, like, I remember you always did really well in the CS132 Matt Leakes tests or quizzes or whatever. Yeah, the hardware. Yeah. Like, in the lecture, the quiz he did, like, in the lecture or test. I can't remember what it was exactly. But we had a few, and I feel like Joe always did, like, finish first or something or got most correct. That was just a a bad character trait on my part of, <laughs> you know, you, you've just kicked off uni, like, okay, let's make an impression on these kids. Yeah, exactly. I was always like, because you, I remember like sitting like middle of the lecture or something. And I think, I don't know, so he might have, I don't know how it happened. He marked it and he said, oh, Joe got the highest or whatever. And you were like right at the back and put your hand up. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake, dickhead. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't blame you. Yeah, that was it. It turns out what was trying to be impressed people just made me many, many enemies through the years. But it was all downhill after that anyway. So I peaked pretty much first <laughs> week of year one in terms of performance. Was it that early as well? It did feel early, but I can't. It wasn't that early. It probably. seems weird that we, uh... yeah, week one might have been an exaggeration, but. Yeah, week two or three. Yeah, it seemed weird that we had a test so quick or something. The only reason it happened or that I was able to finish it as quickly as it was covering early topics that I'd already looked at at A level. Right. right. And my memory of Joe, so I know we met sometime in first term, yeah, but so my memory of Joe was like, he was the second person like I had at the time in first year drunk with, yeah. So like this was the end of second term after all, you know, the all nighters, the full all nighters. I remember coming to his he they invited me over to the flat in Heronbank. So I went over, I was naive enough to think like I had a bit of like JD and Pepsi and a bit of Lucasade. And I went over there, fam. These lot were just drink like Joe Bellet. When I say he has a liver of pure steel or it doesn't exist, that is what it was. Because I went there, I was like, oh, I couldn't move. I, I was like sat down, like if I go get up here, I'm dead. Because they kept just pouring drinks here. And so my Lucasid, but at the end of it, there was no Lucasid in the bottle. Yeah, there was just some alcoholic beverage at the time. Yeah, and I was like, shit, I'm fucked up beyond belief. And then I just remember everyone standing on the table hitting the ceiling, singing some song that I didn't know. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to just punch the ceiling for some reason. What was the song? I bet it was a really obvious song. And he was just like... Oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a good example, was I? <laughs> that, that is my memory this of it. going to annoy me, yeah. Did you say JD and Lucasade? Is that no, no, I had JD and Pepsi and then I had something in Lucasade as oh, an okay. other mixer. And then it somehow just... They just kept pouring smell off into it. Like the... Fizzy Lucas 8. Yeah, the the fizzy, yeah, the orange one. I, no, what happened was, Aaron, I woke up at like 4 p.m. that afternoon. I had a bit of food and then chilled a bit and then it was time to go for the party. 
And they started at like seven for some reason. Can you imagine? You're in your first year of uni, you get invited <laughs> to a party, and what do you see? A bunch of adults punching the ceiling, having the time of their lives. I was like, these guys party different out here. I don't know the music. Grim. I thought like I would listen to like violent music, but here, here I am, the least violent. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, though. People started taking it as a badge of honor if they left a blood stain on our ceiling. It was grim. I remember the flat above you said didn't like you guys. It was <laughs> none of them. None of them in the area did. I don't know why we thought it was okay. I think we really fed into each other's energies in first year. <laughs> I didn't have this issue because I lived on the other side of your thing. I lived on apparently what was deemed as the quiet side. It was just the quiet side because we weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I remember? I remember that Joel Bellot's flat was one of the flats that caused the fire alarm and I just knew this. Yeah, No one else knew this in the area whilst you're standing out there. I like, was it, it was really late at night as well. No, I, think it was like, we, I can't remember. What, I think we had two fire alarms out of our flat. I, I knew one of them. I didn't know the other one. It might have just been one, but I just remember the scene of going into the kitchen filled with smoke, and one of my flatmates was desperately trying to stop the, the smoke alarm from going off by holding the vacuum cleaner, having it on, and trying to vacuum up smoke. Vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> so the vacuum, <laughs> the smoke would surely go back out there. And oh yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. To be honest, I think he was just panicking. <laughs> I just remember then because then that made it actually funnier. Yeah? Okay, so if you know who caused the fire alarm for the reason, they said they burnt eggs or something. Yeah. So I just started laughing in the middle of that, yeah, like, like we're fucking out here at like some silly time at night, yeah. It was literally like icy and raining, and I just look over at Joe Bellas, but I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. It's them. It's them. Yeah, that was wild. I can't recall any early interactions, I guess, apart from obviously Hamish getting blasted at my flat. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Joe Bellas, you humbled me. You were like the second person to humble me. KV was the first in the first week. Humble. Was it because of how tall he was? <laughs> Um, no, no, no. As in, in terms of how much you could drink. <laughs> so he yeah, humbled me true, first. Yeah. He humbled me in the first week as well. Yeah. Then you humbled me at the end of second term. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, there's no need for this competition out here. But I did know. you come to uni, Hamish, as like a big drinker? No, I, I hadn't really done that much, but like, I thought I could just take it in it. I thought okay. I, it seemed like compared to everyone else, <laughs> I always had more composure in it. So the people I did like have go out at night with the first year, I was like, I always seemed to have more composure. So I was like, you know, I must be, I must be a heavyweight. It's strange. I think it's just my build that lets me drink as much as I do. Because I didn't drink masses and masses pre-uni. But then my flat was just a, a different breed for some reason. Yeah, the week before that, absolutely hammered of a night. I remember we all went into DCS. We were in Lab 6. We were like, we knew the all-nighters were coming yet. And we all went in. I think there was a few of us that had come in from separate places, drunk already. And we were just writing code, yeah. And I think for me, at least, yeah, that, that was a turning point because that turned my one to six. So we had this module, which wasn't easy. It was data structures and so on. Yeah. So that made my work work that night. Not doing it so much. Nah, <laughs> it I, does help. I never did that again, but I do recommend it in first year. Me and KV in fourth year, I think it was, oh, was it third year? It was dissertation season. And we did a <laughs> night of wine and work. Where we went to the local Tesco, got a bottle of wine each, and then just sat in the back corner of one of the labs, sipping our bottles and trying to pump out our dissertations. <laughs> did did that go well? I honestly don't know, which probably means no, it didn't. <laughs> in third year and fourth year, I remember you both came back from pop a couple of times on late nights. Yeah, I was leaving a DCS yeah, and you lot came. You did pop here because of the you were social sex and so on, and yeah. then you finished your work afterwards. <laughs> I just finished my work and I was leaving. I'm like. I can't believe I'm witnessing that these lot are about to go in for a while. No, I just don't know what we were thinking, though, because the work would have been awful. 
right? We're not doing good work in that state of mind. <laughs> we just feel like obligated because we're drunk. Right? Okay, we're awake. We've had all this sugar. Let's do something with this energy. And then all we did was make more work for ourselves. Shout out, Cavey, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Top boy. It seems like so long ago when we recorded that episode. Now. It was one of your first, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, it was like early doors. Yeah, yeah, episode three. We actually went. We went to Lemington. Lem to record that. Who did you? Yeah, oh, had a so had fun. a cheeky Millennium Bowl tea afterwards. Oh, Dane, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss that place. Oh, boss man wasn't there though. It's not ideal. What's the point? Boss man is the <laughs> boy. Are you? Yeah, they're they're all boss men now. True. Yeah, as uni went on, I guess it's a shame because I feel like as uni. As the years went on, we kind of started to do more as like a computer science group, I think. Mm. Like started doing like some Casbah nights, the comp side does pop and stuff like that. Where like, uh, if we started that a bit earlier, it might have been, yeah, could have had a lot more fun. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Comp side does Casbah, it must be iconic. Like that must be an iconic night. That's one of the nights I remember, I'm like, I see so many comp side people like Casbah at the same time. I'm like, we broke all stereotypes here because yeah, like, we, I'm pretty sure no one was like a, not many of us at least were the standard, you know, stereotypical comp sci. But to see that many comp sci, that people that you only see in DCS or Electra or something. Yeah, that's true. A night out, that was. It was always good to see like the unexpected characters coming along <laughs> and just like having a good time yeah. with everyone. It was, it was good. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Started out way too late. For those who are unfamiliar with the Warwick scene, Casbah is just a nightclub. It's in Coventry. Yeah, in Coventry. Um, and when we say pop as well, that's also a night, like a university night on campus, whereas as just the title suggests, a lot of a lot of pop songs. But you have like a bit of circling beforehand. I don't know if you were talking about that before. You were talking about Josh's episode, maybe? It's so long ago, you might as well go over it again. It doesn't hurt anyone. Well, Joe, would you care to explain what circling is? I would love to explain what circling is. And I just say, you little shit, I, I, never, I didn't forget that comp side of pop night where you like just started picking on me, you and Joe. <laughs> And you and Josh, sorry. Yeah, well, because, yeah, so I'll, I'll explain circling and then how it, it sort of links back into the comp sign nights. It's circling at Warwick, typically before this event called Pop, but also other club nights occur radically, but we'll stick with Pop. You can rock up maybe three hours before the event starts as part of a society or a group of people that's registered to go circling. You get booze at a reduced rate, slightly reduced rate, but, you know, it's very alluring. And there are people that are either social sex of universities, of societies rather, that will lead games for a circle of people. And these games are based on, or essentially predicated on the circle. So it will be rules that rotate around the circle. If you fail the game, then you drink. Or the favorite variant is you stand up. When about half the circle is standing up, they down a pint, which I think is what we employed for the comp side ones. Yeah, just, just get as many people to drink as possible. Oh, exactly. And as, yeah, as we started getting more and more social in computer science, uh, myself and KV started being the social sec in that situation for a circle of computer scientists. And Hamish was the victim one day. <laughs> it was like one of the few, because I didn't go pop yet. So like if I came, I came to the comp side, just pop out of like the comp side culture, you know, like. It's because um, you came to the last one. So it was like, and that was the only one you went to. So, I actually dressed up for it as well. Like I even yeah. got back to like a matching clown outfit and we came as clowns. And then what do you call it? I remember, yeah, like I turned right to Baxo. Yeah, Baxo, by this point, we're hammered, yeah. 
And Baxo's like, I'm about to be sick. And then you guys look over at me and like, you have to drink. Oh, what's that, Baxo? You have to drink as well. So he starts chugging another pint down here. Yeah? I'm like, Baxo, you said you're, you're about to throw up yeah, and you're drinking another fucking pint. I was like, it's refusing, but you guys weren't having it yeah. And Aaron nah. sat to my left laughing at me. I'm like, I think it was Tika and Aaron was sat to my left. I'm like, oh, this guy's fucked. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you little prick. We were fine. If people didn't want to drink, <laughs> we never made them drink. And I want to get that one out there and on the record. It wasn't like that kind of forcibly, you know, it was like the group joking. You know, how, I don't know how to explain it, but a pop here. There's that like kind of provoking. It's, yeah, it's like a different energy. <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, you just gently goad people. Be like, you sure? You sure you don't? You sure you don't want to drink? Yeah, okay. Fine. The thing is, I don't know half the games and I couldn't hear half the shit because it was so loud. Yeah, so you couldn't hear half the rules. So next thing you know, yeah, when, when it comes to you, you don't know what it is and then you have to bloody <laughs> drink anyways. I'm just like, yeah, what's the yeah. point? The issue with that is the Compside social events got too big. <laughs> yeah, the comp side just wild. The comp side people didn't wild, expect it at all. We had to move from inside the club venue to the atrium of our students. Oh, union yeah, we did. Yeah, to facilitate just how many people were in the circle. Wait, was that the one you went to, Hamish? The one? No, else? I went to the the last one. But we I remember circus. I was just saying we had a massive. We just had the entire section in front of that bar in one of the yeah, rooms. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so the one before that, I think we actually had to move to. Yeah, as Joe said, the atrium. Because there wasn't enough room for us, and that—that that was the—I uh, think that was the Hawaiian, yeah, one. You came to the Greatest Showman one, I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Jo- Josh Cavey's and Five Pound Amazon outfit it was just ragged. Hang on, I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but it wasn't a fiver. No, no, but you know, <laughs> wait, it must have been twenty pound max. There's no way you paid more than twenty pound for that. All I know is after that night, it was covered in purple liquid. Oh, I just purple. Re- Did you ever have purple, Hamish? Yeah. Yeah, you did too. Yeah, yeah, drink. Did. yeah, right. But I didn't I didn't like it, if that makes sense. Like I could consume a bit of it, but I couldn't make down you lot just drank it like it was the best thing ever. You lot drank it like it was Yeah, we drank it like it was purple. Ew. No. I wouldn't say it's the worst tasting alcoholic drink. I just don't think that kind of drink would have worked for me even when I, back then when I drank. So like I was more of the spirits type of person. So. Purple is pretty much a snake bite, right? Depending on where you're from. It's like snake bite with blackcurrant cordial. What what goes into it? Snake bites just equal parts beer and cider or lager right. cider. Oh, I thought it was just Ribena and cider or something. No, no, no. It's uh, Ribena. Uh, Warwick, it's Ribena. I oh. believe it was like Summersby, cider and Carling. Did you ever have Eliminator as well, Hamish? Yeah. That stuff was nasty. That What was the place called? Kel- Kelsey's. 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 We were actually yeah, there with Joe Bell at was... once. I don't know. We just ran into him at Kelsey's one time. I can. Re- I just recall Probably this memory. At some point. And we had eliminated jugs. Like, I think it was nearly one per person for some reason on the table. I don't know why. Because we, we made poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny how often I feel like I ran into, like, would go into a night out, like in a club or even just like a bar, like Kelsey's or something, and just run into someone else from computer science. Considering how, like, stereotypically we are probably considered very unsocial. Yeah. Also, for anyone not from Warwick listening, you're just hearing us reminiscing again. I don't know what else there is. Oh, there's one night. Didn't me and KV help you home, Aaron? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I can't remember what night it was. It might have. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm... One of the, uh, it was like Bollywood night things in, I can't remember the Neon. name of the club. Neon, possibly. Okay, I remember going there with you guys. It might not have. It might not have been you. I remember that we helped someone home from that event once. And Aaron's usually okay after those kind of. Yeah, 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It could, it could have been me, but so to be fair, I can't remember leaving that event. <laughs> but that could also just be because it's been a few years. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, exactly. I can't I remember it, but let's go with me though. Cause it makes it funnier. Yeah. For the story. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, there was this time we were with them in Kelsey's. Yeah. And you needed to go take a shit. So you told me to, um, cause the Kelsey's door didn't lock. Yeah. You told oh, me to no. just Kelsey's is, stand yeah, outside. Yeah. yeah. You told me to just stand outside, make sure no one goes inside. So tell like two people not to go. And I'm just stood outside there in the toilet. Cause the toilet's a fucking grim place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Aaron, I'm just like I don't know how this has become. I I'm think after at- that, I just like I remember going to TJ's a few times to like if I need to go to the toilet. Rather yeah. than is that the sports? Wow. Yeah, sports over the road. Next, yeah, like Kelsey's was just awful. I remember walking through that and you just stick to the floor. It was yeah. the same with pop. To be fair, but. yeah, you know what everyone kept telling me. I remember about Kel- everyone kept telling me it was grimy. I'm like, bro, they play grime at Kelsey. I, I go to Kelsey's and they're not playing grime. I'm like, what do you mean it's grimy? Yeah, they say I'm fucking grimy. Yeah, they're like. They're like, no, the floor's sticky. That's grimy. I'm like, nah, you lot are taking the piss here. Someone told me that that's grimy music playing. Oh, well, what a letdown for you. The, you have no um, idea. Uh, that's, that's two two episodes in a row where we've spent a lot of time just talking about alcohol for some reason at the beginning. I feel I like it's very thematic with me. Yeah. It's It just had to happen. <laughs> Same question I asked him. What's your favorite go-to drink? Has it changed? Really good question. Yeah, yeah. Uni, it was all about cheap, right? It was... Yeah. Welcome to bus stop hours. Bus stop was a time where oh. we would get reduced prices on drinks at the Warwick Terrace Bar, and it would just be whatever was on that deal. Whereas now it depends on the purpose of drinking, which probably sounds like a bad thing to say. Say, am, am I drinking to get bougie? Let, let's say you're going for like a chilled evening at the pub with like a few mates. Ooh, I probably. From the locals around me, it's either Camden Hells or Peroni. Usually always a pint if I'm always made. Yeah. What about pre-drinks? Pre-drinks? Yeah. Cheapest cans. Cheapest <laughs> cans I can find. High volume on them. Which is why we always did carling back in the day. Cause it was, yeah. It got you to where you wanted to go. Yeah. And then when you're in the club, maybe like a shot. What's your go-to shot? Shot would always be Sambuca. Yeah, that's what I said. Sambuca is wonderful stuff. If anyone ever hands me a Jager bomb, I die inside. I'd rather do a Jager bomb than a Sambuca. I remember at any club, anyone, no, 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 I was like, I'd rather get the Jager bomb. Because nah. I think they were all, they were all basically, I think the shots were a one quid, but the Jager bombs were £1.50. And I'd rather do the Jager bomb any day of the week than do that shit. Uh, I wish. I don't know, Joe, if Joe will get this reference, but Hamish, I wish we'd had, we are in a situation now where I could play the Sambuca alarm. <laughs> yeah, the Sambuca alarm. I'm surprised that these lot don't have their own Sambuca alarm. You know that, Aaron? When I watched that pop up, I'm like, yo, if KV and Joe Bella had a Sambuca alarm or something like that, it would have been ropes. <laughs> it would have been even ropey at night. I'll be honest, we probably had something like that before. I remember for our final exams, me and KV dragged our desks from our rooms to the living room of our place. And it just ended up being like revision HQ, but it was just, nah, let's just day drink. <laughs> I remember you having like the Chanda chart as well in that place. Chanda chart. Do we have one in third year still? Wow. Is third yeah. year or fourth year? There's one of those oh, yeah, years. yeah. Fourth year, fourth year. You're right. Yeah. yeah. We carried on our, our year one. Yeah, it's a throwback to, <laughs> throwback to first year Chanda charts. <laughs> yeah. On, on a guess, more serious note. University, general, Warwick, computer science, all that stuff. And how do you how do you find it? I felt quite 
assured going into uni that I knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So course-wise and what I got from the course was fairly expected. I think all in all, I had a great time. I met some great people and had a lot of fun. One of my big things about university was I'm there for the education, of course, but I'm also not going to be a shut-in that devotes their life to making sure I come out of it with a solid top tier grades. Yeah. I think the only possible downside of Warwick for that goal was how remote it was. You're not some city campus with immediate access to everything. You're in your own little blinter cell community. So what did you not like that aspect of it? I had its benefits, I guess. It did make you fairly close with your course mates and who you was living with, but it, it did restrict that circle. Mm. And it did restrict the activities you could easily do, which my bank account probably loved. Because if I was <laughs> going out drinking, odds on it was just in someone's flat and we were watching a terrible movie afterwards. Which, yeah, it was great. But I, yeah, I suppose I would just wonder what the flip side of that is, of what, what is it to be a student in a city? It but, could be yeah. also harder to be social as a student in the city, though, like, I'm like equivalently, you know what I mean? Like, like for example, for me, I feel like I needed the bubble. To at least learn how to socialize to start with and make it less people ideally like because if you were right in the say we were in like the dead center of london there'd have been just so so many people and then it would have just got tougher and tougher the ease of access would have been nice i won't lie but i feel like as a londoner you're spoiled for that so you need to learn a little bit that you can't have everything two minutes away from you yeah that's very true i do wonder at london unis if they have like if they do have bubbles somehow like in a way I suppose you must, right? Because you're still yeah. seeing the same uni kids and mm. you're going to similar events to everyone. Yeah. From my school, yeah, like a couple of us went to Warwick and yeah, no, no Londoners. For yeah, me, the uh, reason was also because I didn't want to be back home and I couldn't go back home in that state. That would be after a night out. So it was better. And it's not like I did many, like plan out any nights or anything really in London at that time as well. I was all about staying at Warwick, staying there until it's all over. Until <laughs> it's all over. That sounds so much more sinister than you probably meant for it. Wait, what? You, that was sinister. I thought that was sounding a bit more sad. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah either, either way. Yeah, because yeah, basically, I love Warwick, just having my own space. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to leave. You know, I just want to be here forever. That's fair. Where are you, are you in? Like your own place now? Or no, I'm at the parents' house. Okay. Fine. Where are you then, Joe? Where you know? I'm outskirts of London, basically. I'm in Zone Six. Oh, same. So, like, <laughs> but uh, I say inside London. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If, if I say I'm inside London, anyone that's not in Zone like four, five, or six, they'll just roast me to the bitter ends. I'm like, okay, I'll just say I'm outskirts. That's fine. Yeah, but we got we got to stick together. Then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll change yeah. it after this. <laughs> yeah. What, what have you been up to since uni then? Okay, I'll, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief. I think I, I can pretty much keep it brief, but. Initial departure from uni led me into academia. So I was planning for sort of a PhD that would have been around tech X supply chains, pretty much. So through my third and fourth year of uni, I was part-timing at a different university, University of Northampton, at what's called their List Institute, which is their institution for logistics, infrastructure, supply and transport. So it was all supply chain-y stuff. I was just doing like data analysis for them. Um, and then on graduation, they offered me a, a full-time research assistant role. So I started doing 
sort of overseeing their contribution to various consortiums they were working in on, I think they were Horizon 2020 funded projects at the time. So it was all from that Euro pool of funding for research and the consortiums were collaborations across EU nations. Mm -hmm. So it was quite good for traveling around, to be honest, because everyone was like, I want to host the next consortium meeting. (laughs) Then my boss would say, Joe, you're going to Belgium. I'm like, all right, cracking. Oh, nice. Joe, you're off to Poland. Have fun. So traveling around Europe somewhat, it wasn't frequent, but it was like frequent enough that it was, I'd consider it a perk of the job. But it just reached this point where you aren't really doing research, or it felt to me at least like I wasn't really pushing the boundary of things. I was just navigating hoops and jumping through them and trying just to keep stakeholders happy. And I think that's when my view of academia for me personally shifted of, well, wherever the money's coming from, that's the hoop you're trying to jump through. And it basically came to a head with one of the projects where I was running a, essentially a cost by profit loss or opportunity cost analysis on something. And it boiled down to this just isn't going to do what you think it's going to do and it's not going to penetrate the market you think it's going to penetrate and i had to stand up in front of this room of 50 odd people and say everything you've been working towards for these last two years from what i can see it ain't happening okay <laughs> believe it or not it wasn't met with rapturous applause and yeah. it was very quickly brushed away because at the end of the day it's not i, I guess it's it's not their money they're spending mm-hmm. It's just funding money that there is a risk associated with it. But that that was a point where for me, I was like, okay, I, I kind of want to go industry now. I, I don't like that almost blasé attitude to uh, research and funding. I was going to ask, I thought you were doing a PhD and you were going to go to Canada or something for a year. Yeah, I remember Canada being something that rings a bell. Yeah, so one of the trips through the List Institute was to Canada. We met a company there that was doing ride sharing initiatives so part of the the t right the t of list is transport so it was essentially looking at initiatives to a reduce congestion and b just streamline general traffic and one of the options we were looking into was ride sharing Uh, so this company in canada was working with a university in miami so the phd would have been sort of year out to miami but with links to Canada and I think some in New York. It was honestly quite a web. Like, it's still looking back on it. It's not exactly clear what it would have been because I didn't stick around. But yeah, I think that was also a bit of a red flag in that I didn't exactly know what it meant. So therefore, can I actually trust this is going to be something that does go ahead? Is, is this a promise or is this something that's just a, a carrot on a stick? Yeah, that whole experience, did you learn quite a lot from it? Yeah, for sure. It was, it was valuable, right? As a fresh grad or someone who hadn't even technically graduated at that point to be going and yeah. talking to 50 some professionals and presenting to them about X, Y, and Z, it almost invaluable for that public speaking side of things. And just realizing I, I was always fairly intimidated by that concept. But when you're essentially thrown into the lion's den, you're going to be grilled by someone about whatever it is you're presenting. You just sort of accept it as. This is a fact of the situation I'm in, and I'm going to deliver and see what happens. Yeah. Also, you mentioned there how you were like, you're part time working during, was it the final two years of university? Yeah. 
how did you like find that like managing all of that stuff like the university course and work yeah so work was it was either remote based but i would go into the office once a week so i think a fair few universities have this sort of wednesday afternoon is reserved for sporting activities Sport, yeah so i would always leverage my wednesdays as i will i will be there i will come to the office on a wednesday and that was pretty much like all it needed it was sort of touch base have a couple of one-on-ones with people be like hey what do you need what are we doing what am i looking at and then maybe a couple hours a couple of nights a week is all it would actually need to sort of fulfill my quota yeah and they they were very appreciative and understanding of the fact that i was at uni so it wasn't i wasn't put under any undue pressure because of that yeah also the the term academia what exactly does that mean that's an excellent question aaron I'm not sure I can answer it to the fullest. Is it just like re- like research and that's how I study taken like, it. I say that it's just the output of universities that aren't sort of directly involved in industry. It could lead academia can lead into industry. I think we had plenty of professors that served as a good example to that, where they'd start something or be researching something and suddenly they're now consulting about it or they're making company uh, like a new company from what they've been researching yeah uh, yeah i'd say it's just sort of a, either a precursor to industry or the umbrella term for looking into things yeah after that you said like you realized then that you kind of wanted to go into industry so is that what you're doing now yeah so for the last year and a half possibly two years nearly i've been working nearby is why it was why it came to sunny zone six was the <laughs> office was in zone four and this is where i could afford a one-bed flat to rent as okay yeah. but i've been working in essentially like the cross-section of finance software development and consultancy so we consult for banks and then implement solutions to their problems i was gonna yeah i was, I was gonna say like a totally different when you said sunny zone six i was like so many people were out today. There was a bit of sun out. Oh, yeah. No idea what the restrictions are at the minute. But do you guys find that there are a lot of school kid aged kids that are just in friend clusters? And every time I see them, I'm like, well, can they do that? Yeah, Should they just... be doing that? Why am I so jealous of these kids? <laughs> I think like they're slightly more exempt because they're still going, their social world was probably the same thing that they're going to school with because some of them still go to school. There's certain years that still go and. Oh, and uh, yeah, essential workers, right? Like, yeah, and then uh, those ones, yeah. So like, but I always try to stay away from them anyways because I don't want to catch COVID because I walk past them. Carriers. Yeah. Like the, the plague rats of today. <laughs> it, it's literally what it is though, isn't it? Like, I want them to get educated, but I can't be like anywhere near anybody, especially like school kids, like because they're likely to have it most and not know and not fully understand, you know, the restrictions, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I just see them, yeah, riding their BMXs like just down the street. Oh, I've noticed that recently around here. And then they have some speakers in their backpack, just blasting stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they think they're so cool, but wait until they grow up and realize they're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I probably was. No, I, I don't think I was one of those kids, but I was definitely like... You had to just do it back then. <laughs> yeah, but that was normal for me. That was like normal size. <laughs> 
Oh, I rem- oh, some really bad. I remember. I know because I, I kind of wanted to be that kid. Do you know? Like I wasn't cool enough to be <laughs> that kid, but I kind of wanted to. Yeah, I get that. So like I got a Just Do It bag, had a man bag. Nice. I think that's why I've transitioned into such the cynic I am today. I could never achieve that level. So now I just hate everyone that exudes <laughs> that energy. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to uh, Lakeside, which is like the shopping center like near me, like in a, my Lonsdale tracksuit bottoms, Lonsdale Ooh. tracksuit top, man bag. You know those sh- glasses that were in style for a while where it was like, they weren't glasses. They were the things you put over your eyes and they have like lines over the... They deal with it kind of ones. Or the Kanye West ones. Just like this this sort of like checkerboard pattern, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like they did nothing. Like they they weren't like. They just obscured your vision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But damn, did you look sick doing it? Yeah. And then you go into the Apple store and then like go on photo booth and like take all these like selfies and put them on Facebook. This is is a world apart from anything I ever even considered happening, Aaron. Oh. I'm learning so much about you. Did this? Oh no! But this is this is like, yeah. None of us were cool. We weren't. We weren't like, yeah. Uh, I, I look. I think the cool kids weren't going into the Apple Store and taking pictures of themselves in their terrible glasses. Yeah, I or like in the Primark mirrors. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I remember there being a. There were photos of it on Facebook, but I think I've like deleted them. Yeah, I, I have. Thing is, though, I did. I did want to. I did want to find them, just for like pants, but. I honestly have no idea where they are. Those photos, actually, okay. Yeah, there's there's one. You can share a screen on Zoom. That that's one. I'm in the corner here. Oh, see bottom right. What a I dickhead! Kind of, I kind of love it, but I'm so disappointed how <laughs> not clear at all it is. And then when planking became a thing, that's not me, obviously. That is- uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah, planking became a thing. This. Why was planking a thing? Yeah. Can either of you explain this to me? Because I'm still mystified. I wasn't by aware it. of this. Can I just say? I wasn't aware of this. You wasn't aware of planking? Like planking how you showed on that back then. I wasn't aware of this. Like, Wait, is, is, in... this the, is this the story arc where Hamish pretends he was cool? <laughs> no, 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 no. I definitely wasn't. And I definitely didn't try to be. I hate schools. <laughs> There's no way I'd But like the planking like phenomenon didn't circulate in your area. I, I refuse to believe it. I don't remember anyone. I, I lost some people. 2009, 2010, maybe around mm-hmm. that time. Let me drop a message to my boys. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to ask them? Like, one sec. What is planking? planking? <laughs> because pl- planking is like an exercise. You know, m- man like me has been trying to get a six pack recently. When you say planking, so, do you mean like how you how you were like on that bi- bicycle thing? You're just laying in weird places and saying, "I'm planking." Yeah, yeah, like on your belly. So see, I didn't realize that was a condition. I think you did have to be like like face down, kind of. It thing. makes sense. Yeah, because the actual planking is a lot harder. Because I I can't imagine that becoming. Like, oh yeah, a, yeah, that's going to become do. a fad. That that just means you need to get on it now, Hamish. You need to make <laughs> no, up. No, I'm not time. touching <laughs> anything public like that. <laughs> Especially during COVID, you're just laying across all these public things. Yeah. I see people like here, yeah, like you know, like outside the shop, they're like they're sitting on it, like. And like they're all touching it, like it's like they're leaning over, like just you know messing about as like a group of friends. I'm like, Fam, I hope you all get COVID, and I hope you all get fucked. Then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude, you're making my life more miserable by making Damn. me. Stay. I have to be at home whilst you fuck about and bring up that you know, um, infection ratio. Whilst I'm stuck just here, just for sitting on a bench. 
Yeah, there needs to be some form of karma, you know. You gotta, you gotta um, suffer the consequences. Are you saying that COVID is karmic retribution? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, don't, don't do this, Joe. One sec. I meant like, you know, actions have consequences. I'm getting ready to tweet this out, Hamish. Be careful. <laughs> one of all the things to be cancelled by, not this one. I know, but Hamish, what if it makes us go viral? Yeah, but it will be at my expense. But Mate, be worth it? I'm not a rich you like Wait, you, Aaron. And then I, I need, I need my job. And then a Hamish gets kicked out. As he's cancelled and I become co-host. Oh, the scenes. It's the dream. Yeah, you best believe I'm invoking every contract that I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Hamish, you can transition now. What are you eating? I'm eating a melon. Healthy. I mean, this is fine. We can take a little tangent yeah. so I can get some nicotine in my system. <laughs> okay, quick, let me just eat the last piece then. Are you quitting smoking or have quit smoking? Yeah, it's been about a year since I last had a cigarette. You have nicotine in the thing though? Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Like, like I'm, yeah, I'm happy to. You want to make it official? Should we do smoking or billionaire question? All right, yeah. How, how do you get into this though? From what we were just chatting about, mm-hmm. right, we'll go to the billionaire one. We'll come back to it somehow. We'll say like billionaires are smokers so at some point. You know, billionaires love cigars. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of smoking, okay, I'll say, I'll say. So we'll come back to that. I'll remember that one. <laughs> so as a research assistant, you're obviously trying to get some research ahead of in the field. You're trying to become a millionaire, most likely, or so. Trying to make the company rich. So this brings us on to our debate question. Is it immoral to be a billionaire? Now, I wanted to ask a question to Aaron here because the question's a bit ambiguous. Does this mean a billionaire in worth or actually having cash a billion? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think depending on the answer, the answer's clear, right? <laughs> if you're just sitting on a billion cash, then you're just, you're A, a terrible money manager and B, a terrible person. Whereas if it's in shares, like there's not much you can really do about it until you get paid dividends. So even then, are we taking it like cash, Aaron? What do we think? Well, what's the most simple one? Cash would be the most answer where we all say it's immoral. Most likely. Yeah. At least with like net worth, then there's some debate, I think. Because what you meant to do, share your sales um, stock and then put it all into charity. I, I don't know. You you choose. I, I didn't even know this was... This was your debate question, I think, Hamish. So well, no? You immoral? Choose. I wouldn't have used that word. Is that? Now, we'll just go down both tangents of it, right? So okay, we'll start with the first one. If you had a billion in cash, I'll say like, surely you could make some serious change in the world and give it to causes. You don't have to give away all of it. No one's saying to do that, but you have some serious capital sitting in your account. You realize how many commas that is? That's three commas. One billion. My main flaw with this question is that it's a, it's a blanket statement. What do you mean? Like You made the question. I think I found it on Oxford Union's like <laughs> debate series or whatever. I think it's one of those ones. As in, like, it's basically saying every billionaire is immoral, right? Well, it, as, in this case, if they only if they had a billion in cash, minimum in their account, that would be a billionaire. We're not saying they're full net worth with all the shares and whatever else they have. What is immoral? Like, what define immoral? What does it mean to be immoral? Maybe like I don't know if, if immoral is the correct word, but I feel like if you have that much capital, what can you even spend on? That makes a difference to you. Would selfish be a more accurate term than immoral? Yeah, I guess. I, I suppose, though, immoral ties into then morality, right? Moralities of your community or like the society you exist in. So then it just depends on what you was raised with, whether something is moral or immoral. We can go with selfish instead. Well, to that, that was just one of my arguments to like be on the opposite side of the argument. <laughs> like, <laughs> is immoral the right term? 
I mean, if that's the, the way that, billionaire. but that if that's the way you get to the other side of the argument, then you're clearly <laughs> yeah. already on the opposite side to the side you're pretending to be on. Is it more about the actions, or is it immoral that society we are able to have billionaires rather than the billionaire actually being immoral? I don't know if that makes sense. That's, a, that's an interesting point. How would you? Is there a way you can restrict someone becoming a billionaire? I suppose you can tax them out the ass, but. But if you restrict them from like achieving like that much level of financial freedom, then surely that's immoral for everyone else as well. But then the morality clause is around self-regulation to ensure that you are spending and using your money in a socially beneficial way. Rather than just saying there's a hard cap, we shouldn't have billionaires. It's more so people who are in a fortunate enough position to have such mm. vast wealth should have the almost social awareness that they can make change with that. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. If there's any billionaires listening to the podcast, you know, contribute more. They should sponsor the third wheel. Maybe give us some money. <laughs> well, well, okay, way. not just you guys. I want to be in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah, as well, yeah. Joe. That's not what your contract is. <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll rewrite, the billionaire will make you rewrite it. More so... We are judging a person based on the money in their bank account. Say you met someone, like mm. random person, you don't know their like financial status, yeah. and you could like get on with them, think they're cool, and then suddenly like, then the person next to you might be like, oh, you know, he's a billionaire. Now suddenly, do you be like, okay, this this guy's, I don't like this guy or person, whoever. But then if you're getting along with them and they they seem surface level decent, yeah, then I think that's a point at which you can probe deeper as to sort of like how have they gotten their billions what are they doing with their billions and then so you can like so then you can then determine that they might not be immoral oh for sure yeah i guess yeah so, so the, the question uh, yeah i guess there's not a blanket billionaire equals immorality but i think the question comes from the fact that if you are at a point in your life where you have billions at your disposal, you can be doing more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then I guess it, it depends how you came across your billions. Right? If, you, if you're some like, trust fund kid from establishing railways across the world, then you're probably damn sight more than a billion already. Also, I don't know how this, how it all works. Like, is it possible to become a billionaire morally? Like, is that even possible? Yes. Or is that realistic? If the third wheel became, like, say, our, if the third wheel somehow became, like, super invested, in, like, blew up major, and we, be, our, like, our shares became worth, like, literally a billion. So, like, basically, actually, we'll say it's two billion, so it's a billion each year because it's half off. Nice. Then that would make us billionaires, but we wouldn't have the capital until we pay out, until we get, like, the dividend payouts or something. Yeah, but yeah, we but wouldn't we, we wouldn't get a billion payout, just so you know. But yeah, like, you wouldn't have gotten that morally because you've exploited the effort of your friends to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Say, <laughs> well, no, I say yes purely because I think there are situations where inheritance kicks in, right? And I, as an individual, have not done anything, but now suddenly I'm worth a billion. I'm using that as an example. I'm not a billion. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things is though, like I would want. My kids to you know for in that situation to be the ones that inherited a billion. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, like every kid would probably, I mean, every parent would probably want that for the kid. 
But then also, we also hate the people that got that scenario, even though we're trying to accomplish that. I think yeah, but you sort of see the immorality as of, of billionaires who is like Amazon recently. I think it's in Alabama. There's unionizing talk within Amazon, and they are running a tooth and nail campaign just to shut them down. Right. Because <laughs> unions are the enemy, right? Two big corporations. Because what it means is fair workers' rights and decent pay. Yeah. What about if you take an example, like an actual person? Maybe he's done like loads of shit I just don't know about. Like Bill Gates. He's a billionaire, right? Yeah, but Aaron, he's microchipping all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Aaron, I don't think he has, I don't think he has a lot of it in cash anyways. Like obviously yeah, he has a good is, amount. This is the yeah. distinction, right? Is, is it cash rich or is it net worth rich? The cash that he does have, he does give a bunch of it away as well. Like You'd call him a billionaire though. Yeah, yeah, you definitely like, would. Oh, yeah. But that's why we have to clarify when what you say because you can't just give away shares to a charity that it doesn't work. It's not as yeah. Like the, the the issue with net worth <laughs> is it's all tied up in illiquid entities. Right? You can't just spend. Yeah. Can you explain this like whole difference between these two things? Okay. So basically, say yeah, you only would your worth is only judged on your bank account. Yeah. That your worth is solely what is in your bank account. Yeah. Say yeah, ten pounds. That's your worth by that logic. But when you say we own fifty percent of the third wheel each, Aaron. Say okay. tomorrow, say right now the company's worth zero, yeah? But say tomorrow it's worth a million. That makes both of us, our worst, we would add 500,000 on because we own these assets. So we own half right. the company, right? So we just added half a million to both of our things. And then anything else you own basically adds to it. Usually something that it can appreciate and depreciate. So stuff like clothes usually doesn't matter. If you sold that at that exact moment, moment in time, you'd be able to be a millionaire. But then we could give, we could sell a percentage of it, right? And get like a bit of money from that. Yeah, you could if you, you could sell your shares, or you could sell your stake in the company, and like give it to charity or something, couldn't we? Yeah, but like we would get paid. We'd still get paid out, like because we own the shares, so we get entitled to a certain amount of profits per year. So we'd get like a split percentage of those profits, anyways. But where's the like difference? I'm just trying to get to like why is it different? Because one is... Is so it just it's harder to do it? Like cash is liquid. Cash is readily available. Yeah. Stocks, you need to jump through some hoops to make them liquid. And it's a deficit to yourself, right? If you sell off 10% of your million stake, then you cut that out of your your net worth forever if you then give that money away. Yeah, and you could st- it could still go down to zero. Like That's not like a solid number for you. That number is only there but you can't you can't just pull it out the bank Aaron essentially although what you what you'll find with uber like high net worth individuals is it's very easy for them to get loans based on their holdings so essentially they can yeah they can collateralize their stocks and shares and get a ridiculous sum of money to buy a house or to do something and then inevitably they're gonna at one point in the future have that cash liquid through other means and can repay that loan hamish what's your answer to the question. If you, your, if like, you have that much cash, you should be trying to give it away and do better with the cause. Like you see in people like Akon, even Bill Gates and Melinda Gates try to do some good with it. I, I don't know an example who doesn't do good with it. I think an example, so I was going to bring this, I don't know how this relates, but you know Dan Bilzerian, recently it came out that he basically, he's not actually like, the money that he's been spending is basically invest the money in his company, but there's no profits in his company or anything. So 
basically he's in just a lot of debt. He's not a full-on millionaire because it's just yeah, investment money. Which company is that? I have no idea. Um, I just read up a brief a bit about it and I couldn't be bothered reading the rest. So I, I just well, that's how, it. just quick side note, that's how Uber's running, right? Uber doesn't make a profit. Uber just gets funding via like venture capitalists. And the end goal for Uber, food delivery apps and things like that, is to strong arm everyone else out of the market until they have like the sole representative of that market and then they can hoik up prices and make a profit. Oh, I didn't know that. I swear Uber was supposed to like stop operating in London like a few years ago. Is that still on appeal or something? I think I don't know if it was the UK, but I think now Uber drivers have like employee rights. Right. Because it's it's sort of the whole gig economy thing, right? Where people are picking up side hustles and stuff like that, like drive for Uber. They weren't considered employees and sort of just on the hook for whatever happened. Yeah. Yeah, back back on his question. Do you think there's a point where, like, because because we're dealing with like money, it's it's like a number. So do you think there's like a a number or like a point where like it becomes a bit blurred? Like, okay, if you go over this amount or this thing, then it's immoral. I think it depends on means, right? If I lived in a shack in the woods. Mm-hmm. My point of wealth hoarding would be a lot lower than someone that is living extravagantly. But then that also calls in, should people be living extravagantly as a side question? But that's probably mm-hmm. a question for another day. Yeah, I, d- I don't think there's a number, per se, at which you're just like, okay, you are now officially a terrible person. Yeah. But I think think once you're beyond the point of living comfortably, charitableness yeah. is not necessarily yeah. an, an obligation, but it's something that you should consider. Yeah. And obviously after you like used your common sense and made sure you're like the future generations maybe are better off, etc. There's gonna be spare. Then what's comfortable? Because is that different for everyone as well? And is it like do you account for like future generations? Basically what I would say thing? what I would say is that you can ensure that your kids can go to like pretty much all stages of school throughout their life. And the best education, the most expensive one, like possible, obviously account for some inflation, interest, nah. all that stuff. And then you'll you'll have a lot left over, anyways. Like, and I'm sure you're probably still making enough at this point. Like, what now? So the rest is basically expendable to charitable causes. That's the way it is. Because I'd want my kids, obviously, to start off decent in life, go to the best education, private education, all that stuff, and then after that. Like all the all the peas that are left afterwards, they'll have to make it themselves, and the rest is going to charity. That's where I stand on it. I okay, so like setting your kids up for the future, great, completely mm-hmm. vibe with it, love it. But this is probably like a separate debate topic. Yeah, not a Sending them to like private schools necessarily. I, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not that into the whole private school thing and mm-hmm. making sure that they get the best of the best. But then that might just be my upbringing, right? I never went private. I yeah. Oh, neither did I. Like, Trust me. Yeah. Neither did I as well. My silence doesn't mean I did. Yeah. I, I didn't either. Aaron might, <laughs> might get away with lying and saying he went private, but he looks Hamish like just clear cut. What's, what's that even mean? If I it's a like compliment. Like? It means you're more put together than we are. Does that mean I'm like good looking? No, I'm okay. That's not too far. I'm going to say that. Money makes you look good, yeah. We had it here first on the third <laughs> 
Actually, no, you're the one who kind of makes the argument, if anyone. <laughs> I have heard you say that maybe three times already, Hamish. Did I say that? Well, not like that bare bones, but you know, the okay. gist of no, the, Hamish's the gist argument of the is more the lack of money makes him gives him less attractiveness. <laughs> Which is why he's gonna be a billionaire and sit on his, his golden coins like a dragon. <laughs> no, we, we have had that, yeah, private school debate before. Me and Hamish actually disagree on it, I think. Like I was I was kinda of same as you, Joe. I was basically same as you. Yeah, my logic was the opposite. Because instead of like the education I got, I would want them to get way better education so that they stand a better chance at uni, for example, if they go uni that is. Because if I'm considered the top of my school that I went to, yeah, and I was the sh- basically one of the most, stu- like, arguably academically the most behind at uni, then that is not something that is in a good space to be at, especially in first year when you're trying to settle in. I don't think you were one of the most behind. I, yeah, I don't think you were either. Mate, in first year, I was, like, basically flopping it. I think you thought that, but I don't, th- I don't think you were. I wasn't if you consider coursework. Exams, yeah, was those memory tests are beyond me. But, like, basically, you could see in my exam performance and my general first year performance that, Mate, I was I was trying to like I didn't know how to ask for help yet, so I was just there like I was literally suffering. Then I met Baxter, and then obviously things became easier because he could explain things, you know, when needed. <laughs> I, obviously, I helped him as well. But people always think you're Baxter. It was only you, Baxter. You you, me. you made him cooler. He made you smarter. <laughs> I, I, was I a cool kid? Are you? <laughs> you like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'll take that. He'll take that. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, like had its perks, you know, like it went both ways because I was more like. I would try to start work earlier. It would just start it late and still get E. You know, a little shit. <laughs> I was I was terrible on deadlines and things. I think yeah. like I really fell into the. I essentially I, I knew what I wanted going to uni. I was like I wanted to one, and all of my before university or like exam seasons, I would sit down, make a spreadsheet, be like, "What do I need for a two one?" <laughs> Excellent. Oh, this is what I'm going to target. I'm going to I I need sixty percent in this exam, so I'll look at eighty percent of the content and that should get me a six. Mad, because I've been recently. I had to give my spreadsheet to one of our friends here that I use. I had two different ones. Obviously, one for the first three years, and one for my masters. So I was like, "Yeah, this is this is a madness." Do you think that though? Because I I never did that stuff. I think I might have actually asked you about it, Hamish towards the end of uni because I was getting like worried. But like, did that kind of mentality help with the exams rather than just being going into it being like, "Okay, I'm just gonna do my best." I was aiming for a first in my fourth year because fourth year it was possible for me to get a first. But it obviously didn't end very well because we had some fuck modules. <laughs> I don't know what I expected. But I think it, like, for me, because I had learned from obviously the per- previous two, three years, right? So, like, in third year, I had obviously learned my lessons from the first two. So I knew how to, like, start targeting things and working the uni system a little bit better, but it still wasn't good enough. So, in fourth year, I knew I had to pick every coursework oriented module. It didn't matter if I liked it or not, it had to be every coursework oriented module because if I'm to stand a chance of getting a first, sadly, I didn't because of my dissertation but like yeah I think it like helps a lot like in terms of trying to plan because you can see like it also makes you feel less bad but like obviously you're aiming to do as good as possible so you can do as shit as possible in the next exam like ideally you wanted that to happen as well so like that's the kind of target I went into and if you did better in one exam than what you thought that's good on your sheet yeah if you did worse in one exam oh but then you you try to try balance it out and I just had to I knew I had to focus the, the least memory test kind of modules if that makes Mm. sense in the exams so I had to try and do good in those ones (laughs) and then the memory test ones after was just good luck because I don't play at that game I I need something like functional essentially that's fair did you guys do that little game though whenever there was a exam coming up where you'd look at all the past papers available 
you'd see sort of if there were five categories on the exam, you'd look at what the categories were in each of the years. Yeah, scrap, like, okay, scrap there's a, category. There's a hundred percent chance that this one's coming up. There's a hundred percent chance this is coming up, and then you just revise those. And you're like, okay, brilliant, I've got it. I've cracked the case. I remember, like, because you you just have to answer like four out of five or four out of six questions. Mm. Scrap off the two topics. Yeah, you are usually safe to do it, apart from the lectures who mix and match topics. Yeah, that, that was stress because <laughs> that requires six. That's like six, um, you know, questions worth of topic merged into four. But half of your topic could be in a question that you have know nothing else about. So you have to choose which one you take the hit on. I, I do remember specifically like having using the phrase a lot. No, that, that, that won't come up. That won't come up. <laughs> yeah, that's Aaron's going to phrase. I know. Yeah, I don't know if I said it around you a lot, Hamish, but I remember saying it like. No, you definitely did in fourth year. I remember fourth year, you'd just be like on random like topics. He just cuts out entire chapters. I remember you just cutting out chapters. You're like, no, it's not going to come up. Yeah, yeah. That was probably based on the past exam. Like. Or I'll just then, it, then it came up in the exam, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Wait, this is a really quickly tangent. Yeah. Um, I've got a response from the boys. They said that well, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But Christian was like the planking meme. He thought he said that's more American. It didn't. It existed back then, but not in our school. Hedge said it, we definitely didn't do it. Hmm, Shubham also said. Oh, but they know where the it is though. It was. It was in the UK. He said it was later than year eight to ten, but I may be wrong. Uh, I feel like it was more A level time. Yeah, nah, you if you were planking during A levels, nah, that's weird. That, that's that's the response I got. <laughs> so take it as you may. Um, we we definitely didn't do it. But they all seem to heard of it though. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I it sounds like like wherever you you grew up is just a relic of the past. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I, it's funny because I still live there. <laughs> okay, wherever you currently are is a relic of the past. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to make it into rich ends like Aaron. This ain't even rich ends. It's just richer ends and Hamish's. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. I don't know what me and Kay got really into daggers for a bit. As in Dagnum Redbridge? Well, just saying Dagnum, because it was just like, if something weird happened, we'd be like, oh, that's so daggers. And I've no idea why it started. You got me excited there, because daggers is the nickname for Dagnum Redbridge Football Club that I used to go <laughs> to quite a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah, come on, you daggers. You're welcome. <laughs> for our debate question. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing the wrong jumper. Like a baller's jumper. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> need I say more? Need I say more? No, no. But this is actually the thing is, this is I don't wear this out in public now because I bought it as it was. Actually, mate, this links in perfectly because this is a this is a brand from a Dagenham and Redbridge football player, or used to play for Dagenham Redbridge. Um, <laughs> Danny Green, who was like my favorite Dagenham Redbridge football player at the time, I used to go watch him. So he started like a clothing brand called Ballers. Which is why I bought I bought the yeah. jumper. Nice. But I remember wearing it into uni once, and Hamish was like, "I remember Hamish saying something like it, it makes it just he just thought it was to do with money rather than football." Like, right? And is that you? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh fuck!" I, I mean, admittedly, I yeah, I'd never think of that to be football. But you yeah, got that I whole see. concept of like balling, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, but it's more like I oh, like balling. Oh, you know, Rashford's a baller. You know what I mean? Or Ronaldo's like that. It's more like that, but. Is that like a substitute for footballer or is it just saying they no, it's are like money? A good, it's like a good The difference footballer. is yeah, people would have okay. subliminally thought that I just said it out loud because I, I didn't have that filter. So <laughs> No, no, but then you told me and then I felt like now I don't wear it out in public. So I'm like, he wants to be a secret baller, isn't it? I was just like, if people right. see me wearing his jumper, like that's a bit, I just seem a bit of a dickhead if they think that, you know what I mean? Uh, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's fair though. 
I try and avoid looking like a dickhead if I can. Yeah, uh, wise, wise tip. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've, I think we've got somewhere on the question. I feel like it's a question that we probably like reworded a bit. Like if it's more like it's immoral to basically, to basically have unnecessary money, maybe. I don't know if that's a bit Or not way. to do something more with what you just have. Yeah, I suppose it, it's almost a moot point though, having that much wealth in cash. Because I don't think anybody that is that rich would have that much in liquid cash. Because they are fairly knowledgeable at that point in wealth and finance. So they're going to know that they should be investing their money and doing things with it. Yeah, it must be quite stressful as well, so they probably smoke a decent chunk, you know. Very true. <laughs> probably probably some cigars from those billionaires, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so I remember at uni there used to be a bit of a smoker. Oh, I think I chained you, him. Loved it. Did you used to do two at a time in each session? In between lectures I would. Okay. If we had like a double session, it'd like take five minutes. Yeah. Usually ten minutes before the lecture was over, I'd be rolling. Obviously, I rolled. I was a uni student. Yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't afford pre-rolled. So I was like, all right, give me a 30 grand pouch and I'm well away. Do you get through like one cigarette that quickly? Is that? I think it was part of just the way I rolled as well. They were fairly thin. Right. But maybe that's just my way of explaining it to myself as being not as severe an addiction as it actually was. It's also based on like how much you try to inhale at once. So. Yeah, apparently I've got good lungs to my doctor, which is weird considering all the smoking. Oh yeah, Hamish did say you have lungs of steel, didn't you? No, I said he has a liver of steel. Liver, liver. And lungs. Add lungs to the list until (laughs) I have to come back on and redact that statement with a a diagnosis. Oh, Are you human, Joe? I wish. I'm one of those lizard people. Do you know what I remember? Do you know Tom Fuchs? He used to have a tattoo of that puzzle piece coming out and everything was wires inside you. I thought that was actually a sick tattoo. I'm thinking that's actually a joke. I can neither confirm or deny, or I'll be shut down. We can see that you went from, I guess, rolling up to now using a vape, but it still has nicotine, so obviously it may be take longer to transition off it. Yeah, it's, it's a and strange That's about one. the experience, right? Yeah, like, so it was probably about a year ago now that I, I did a quit attempt, basically. I think it was like, you know, New Year's resolution. Let's do it. This is great. I love not smoking. It makes me so angry and annoyed. This is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> and then I think it was probably after company drinks one day. Because whenever I drink, I, uh, nicotine is my best friend. Because you've got the upper and you've got the downer. And they go hand in hand. Which is why whenever I drink, I always crave nicotine. I always have, probably always will. Which is how I started smoking. But then this time last year, I'd stopped smoking. And I was craving. And I thought, Let's not get cigarettes. Let's go into this obscure vape shop on the road that's for some reason still open at 10 p.m. Whilst I'm pretty blitzed out of my skull and purchase a vape. So I did. And it was fine at the time. I was like, hey, yeah, got my nicotine fill. This is great. And it just sort of stuck for a bit. I think I briefly smoked cigarettes again in like March last year. And that was after the vape ran out of battery one night. And I was like, nah, this is never going to replace the real thing. Give me cigarettes. I love cigarettes. Um, but yeah, no, I managed to get back on when I was so like, sobered up the next day. I was like, God, this is terrible. My breast stinks. It tastes awful. Let's just, let's just stick to the vape with all the nice fruity flavors. Um, and yeah, it just kind of stuck. 
but the I suppose the the benefit of the vape is the strength of the liquid you're putting in varies, so you can taper your nicotine down. I think I started on twelve or fifteen milligrams, and it probably means nothing to you, but I think that the generally accepted is if you get through say like a tank or a standard tank of fifteen milligram liquid that's like 15 cigarettes i i've no sources for this it may anger people and being completely wrong and i apologize if it is completely wrong yeah they since then over the last year i've just tapered myself down to six you just see see how it goes i guess it's just a almost a new frontier for smoking in that i don't know if this is actually still really bad for me or not do i need to keep dialing it down or not i've known a couple of people that used it to bring it super down like quite far down and then some have stopped um, some are still I guess in the process but it does help in terms of getting rid of the nicotine dosage you take in the day I guess so I quite like nicotine yeah I know I, I, I don't have to there are definite perks to nicotine <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> what what are the perks to nicotine see the way I always perceived it and again this could just not be a I say we're not promoting smoking on yeah no exactly yeah. We're, we're not we're not promoting nicotine in, in any way shape or form and this could just not be until we're sponsored. a yeah, yeah. <laughs> PMI sponsors this the podcast. <laughs> I think it's either it does do this or it's a placebo perceived thing. For me, it's almost a more focused state. If I like have nicotine, then I can focus more. But I think that focus is derived by the addiction to nicotine in that when my body is without nicotine, it becomes less focused, and then I need nicotine to bring me back up to what would be the usual baseline. So like to, to get back to a normal, non-addicted level of focus, yeah. nicotine comes in. And then vaping, is, is vaping more expensive? No, I don't think so. Not from what I've found. You can even make it even more cheaper. So I have a friend who basically buys all the chemicals, including the nicotine, mixes it themselves and does it. Nah. And that way they can, it's way cheaper. And then also um, they can reduce nicotine. Is there is there an ingredient list? Oh, it's really small. Okay, propylene, glycol, vegetable, glycerin, nicotine. But he buys all that? Yeah, and then he mixes it himself because it's way cheaper than buying even the liquid. Right. And then that way he can control the nicotine a lot more. Can you imagine having that much faith in yourself? Well, he's, he's, been, he's been doing it for months, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that if I did that, I'd just accidentally kill myself. <laughs> I'd just put too much of something in and that'd be it. He says the only thing that you could put too much of is the nicotine. And as long as you have your control with that, you're all good. And I do trust him to an extent, to that extent, you know, because he seems to be like quite knowledgeable in it. He said the chemicals, I, I didn't understand the chemicals. They went out of my mind right away. <laughs> they literally evaporated. Like vape, they vape out. Oh, man. <laughs> man, that was awful. Can, we, can, we, can I put a request to cut that in for him? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. But yeah, basically, yeah, you can just buy the chemicals and mix it yourself and then even further reduce the nicotine and make the cost even less. Now, I was going to say, do, do all vapes have nicotine? No. Because you have like just some people that just want to think it's cool, right? You can get it without nicotine, yeah. Yeah, no, I've had some people that. Just Are they still like, bad for you, though? To be social. See, I have no idea. I don't know. I've heard, I've seen conflicting articles, but I don't care enough for it to bother me. Like, I feel like cigarette smoke is a lot worse for everyone around. If they're vaping, like, who are they really harming much? Because it's not like the... No, no. The worst thing vapors do is when they blow that flat, like the 
candy floss cloud whilst they're walking in front of you, and then you have to walk through it. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that, so Awful I do appreciate people. Yeah. Hopefully people have learned the lesson after COVID as well. Like, they can't be doing that. <laughs> but yeah, basically, you know, it's probably better for them to vape anyways, I think. I think, but I'm not a scientist, so don't listen to me. But I'd rather walk past, like, you know, the air smelling a bit of vape than a bit of cigarette. And that may just be because it smells nicer. To be honest, yeah, so. no, it completely makes sense. <laughs> I know, I know every, t- every time I walk past or like walk through like a cigarette smoker's like air of smoke, I'm always like, <laughs> like breathing out. Like, I feel like I'm just, yeah. And I just hate, do you like, do you actually like the smell of it? Of cigarette. Like cigarette smoke. Oh, I, I love cigarettes. At the beginning, did you like it? Or is it no, like, no, just I hate used it. to it? Yeah. But yeah, it, you almost condition yourself into like, this is the stick that's going to make me happy. And yes, therefore, it's like a Pavlovian response to the smell is just endorphins. Yeah. Mm. At uni, I think Joe here was one of the reasons I could put up with the smell a bit more because he would obviously be sitting in DCS and would always smell the cigarette. Oh, so I learned bad. to put up with it more. Not so in a, way, no, in a way, that's good, <laughs> if that makes sense. But I just remember like you were the reason I have a higher tolerance for it than I what okay. I used to because before I couldn't stand it. So basically, <laughs> I'm the reason you have a higher tolerance for or you did have a higher <laughs> tolerance for alcohol and smelling cigarettes. Well no, the alcohol was self proclaimed. Okay. So that one okay, okay. apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you like briefly said there that it hasn't really made a difference, but since you have been going on to the vape, do you feel like any health benefits or anything? Nah, nothing. It's just a different delivery mechanism. I guess. Maybe there are some health benefits that came back over time, but I can't say I've noticed any of them. I I really don't think there's necessarily anything apart from sort of that black swan event of contracting a terrible like disease or I don't know, is disease the right word? Illness? I don't know. Illness, yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know. I don't know where it comes under. So does this mean your relationship with cigarettes is now a long distance one? I like that. That's very good. It's very smooth. <laughs> Hamish, the smooth operator back in. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, it would be. So one of the next topics, um, if people don't talk the transition was is long distance relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you said we we're gonna speak about a little bit about it. Maybe yeah. I don't know if it's advice or so for the current one. Give you a bit of context. I've been in a long distance relationship now for the last this is where it all goes. Horribly wrong. Just over two years now <laughs> with wonderful lady called Melissa. She is based in Florida, just outside of Miami, a town called Miramar. Nice. And we met when I was traveling with family to Florida for a little vacay at Disney. And we matched on one of the dating apps whilst I was there. Kept in touch. We never, we didn't meet at that point. Kept in touch when I came back to the UK. I uh, was chatting, played some drinking games together over Skype. The first one we ever did was Shrek. We watched the movie and played the drinking game rules. It was very sweet. What are the drinking game rules to Shrek? Drinking game rules to Shrek. I think it's... Okay, I was right. Shrek farts or burps. Someone says ogre. Someone says swamp. Someone says steed. The gingerbread man talks. And those are all one drink. Two drinks for donkey singing. Shrek whooping (sighs) someone's ass, which is really painful, that scene when they're in the castle. (laughs) <laughs> when they when they first get to Duloc, Shrek rocks up and there's that tournament going on to see who's going to save Fiona. And then Shrek gets involved and a lot of drinks come. These are, these are spoilers for Hamish because he hasn't seen Oh, Shrek. Hamish. You should have warned me, buddy. I'm sorry. 
Mm. Well, I don't think I was going to watch it anytime soon anyway. So okay. I'm probably not going to remember much of it by the time I do. Do you know, I think Shrek could be, could turn out to be like Hamish's life. What, the, what does that mean? I like that. Well, let's not tell hold him. On, he hold doesn't on, know. hold on, No, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Watch hold it. on. That's I'm not, I'm not really taking that violation. That is really good. You look that, like Shrek fan. No, you could, you could fit that in. If you make like the swamp like ends, yeah. <laughs> that that would work, yeah. you know. And look, you end up with a princess, mate. So that's that's Aren't they ogres? A princess is a princess, Amish. Yeah. She's a princess ogre. But she didn't used to be I mean, she yeah, she didn't used to be an ogre. So like it's like as if you met a girl who was like really fancy and all that, and then you converted her to ends. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's like that. That's why I'd that's rather what I think not convert happen. me to the booty life. That's good. Yeah. I like that. No, you, I was gonna you tried. You tried to get into the bougie life, but I'm not compatible. Yeah, it just, birth. yeah, it didn't didn't work out. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say you. What I've been watching a lot of recently was Harry Potter folklore. There's this channel. It just started recommending me, and I got caught. In, YouTube got me. It's called Harry Potter Fol- folklore, and it's just random like theories and you know things of the books that people didn't catch because I didn't obviously read the books. I only watched the movies. So it's just like all these theories why this couldn't happen, why this happened, all this stuff, and I've just been. I've been hooked every like lunch, dinner, and breakfast. So I've been just watching a bit of Harry Potter folklore. I spent hours on this channel. Yeah, it's got millions of views as well. So like, I like that. You're justifying it. You're saying it's socially acceptable. <laughs> like, a lot of I'm people like, do it. I'm properly hooked in. Yeah, and then t- only t- like yesterday, I, I'm doing lunch, breakfast, and then I started watching Fantastic Beasts. I need to still watch the second one. I'm finishing the first one. Um, but anyway, yeah, you should watch Shrek. But back to Melissa. I circle back, yeah. Back, yeah. back to Melissa. <laughs> um, watch Shrek together is like our first thing. And then I, it was the 9th of December 2019 that we were still sort of distance, hadn't really met up. It was like, we probably need to like, let's give this a go. Let's say that like I'm interested in you, you're interested in me. Let's Let's make something of this. And then the following year in March is when I went to Florida and we actually met in person for the first time. Occasional visits between, and then COVID hits, and it's been just over a year now, I believe, like a year and a month, I think, since we last saw each other. Has COVID almost made it like, you know, you can't can't see each other anyway, like because of COVID? Yeah, I think so. I don't know, I don't know what the word to use, like not like more normal. Maybe normal. I don't know. It's probably, I but, suppose, like just easier in general, right? Of, yeah. It's it's not that there's reasons we. We're, we're, it's not like we're making excuses not to see each other. It's just we physically cannot go. Yeah, um, yeah I suppose to a point, yeah, sort of in the knowledge that it's not. I, I suppose if, if there was no COVID going on and we hadn't seen each other for a year, we'd be sort of alarm bells ringing. But why haven't we? Why haven't we done this? But because there's an easily justifiable reason that we can't physically see each other, then yeah, yeah it's just one of those things that we have to deal with yeah that's mad though had him like met and then oh yeah, that's, how the meeting meeting her for the first time was that like i don't know nerve-wracking like nervous it was but i had just gotten off an international flight and there was free drinks because <laughs> <was> international flight <laughs> So I, I could quell my nerves somewhat, I, but I did make a point. Usually international flights, I can go a little bit, you know, I just go for it. But that one, I was, I was fairly measured. And I remember, I think, first time we met or physically saw each other was I was just like elevator doors opening into like a parking lot. And she was waiting for me, like 
just past the elevator doors. And well, it's, it's just sort of like a romantic just like, film, you know. It's like a rom com. <laughs> uh, what, what do we do? Uh, uh. Open moments captured on camera. The CCTV camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so some security guard is wondering <laughs> what on earth is happening here. <laughs> oh no, that, that's really. I thought that all sounds really cute. To be honest, to me. Aaron's going to hop on back on the dating apps now. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, just, just asking for a friend, what, uh, what dating app was it? It was on Bumble. On Bumble. Yeah. Interesting. It's definitely atypical, of course. Mm. And I think well, the interesting bit for a lot of people I've spoken to is that, that we hadn't seen each other at the point we decided to be official. And yeah. But then I, I, I think for both of us, it was really nice to get to know each other in what was essentially a low pressure environment before, because even before we decided to go official, it was, it was always kind of like friendship first, given the distance. So the implication was this is just going to be a friendship. Yeah. Um, then as time went on, we both realized we had feelings for the other. And yeah, that's how it went. I wish I had a soundboard right now so I could play like a, oh, like, you know, the, you know, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's wicked. How do you think, what would be your main or like top advice to like maintaining a long distance relationship? I was like Essex and West London is, is quite far. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing in, I think it goes beyond long distance as well, is being comfortable enough to talk to each other about uncomfortable things. Like any sort of relationship longevity is predicated on honesty. So if I'm having a garbage week, I'm like, I, I just, it'd be nice to talk. Just having the ability to say that or when I've pissed her off by some stupid thing, the fact that she can just say, this is why I'm annoyed and this is how we can like, let's talk about this is invaluable in any relationship. But then to bring it back to long distance specifically, the fact that we are able to make time for each other so often and frequently, if either of us are sort of tied up with things, we will try to wrap those up to be able to talk to each other and spend time with each other, even if it feels almost insignificant at the time, is important to just keep that going. Like watching trash on netflix and, and pressing play at the same time is just <laughs> really nice things to do it's really enjoyable and it's what gets you through yeah i just checked the time difference five hours ain't too bad either from yeah uk to florida Not and actually nice. the time difference is kind of favorable on my end in that i can get a solid chunk of work done in the morning <laughs> and then yeah. she'll wake up so. yeah i think we actually had we had a guest on like ages ago, Sid, and he he's, I want to say still in a long distance relationship, but <laughs> he was at the time. So I'm just going to say he he's in a long distance relationship, uh, with, with a, a girl from America as well. And I think he's, he said he made the same point as well. Yeah. So I suppose like the, the main thing with long distance as well is there needs to be a plan. I don't think either of the parties want to just except that it's long distance forever. You need to sort of know where right. you're going and what's going to happen. But I think in my case, fortunately, Melissa plans to study in the UK okay. next year, touch wood, hopefully, COVID allowing. Yeah. And then 
I suppose that's the next checkpoint for us, and then we see where it goes from there. Yeah. No, that'll be good. Hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, that's good for you. Yeah, I don't know if you had any other like things you want to like talk about, or just start to wrap up. Happy to wrap. When will we next meet up, Joel? <laughs> when will we next meet up? <laughs> oh, I don't know, but make sure. Well, Aaron's got to have his eye and liver in place, and he. Wait, I've got he, what? You've got to make sure you've got your liver prepared. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah cause uh, we'll go hard. I'm sober, so I'm good. Yeah, exactly. You're golden. <laughs> as long as there's actual good music. I mean, wait, we just whip out your, we'll sit in a park with some cans and you can have your phone and some headphones. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> headphones, so you just yeah, Hamish listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought ahead. That, that would make sense, you know. <laughs> have you ever thought of like going to, if you came to pop with like earphones, wouldn't it be like super Like hard? a silent disco kind of thing. I was going to say, this is the whole silent disco so, thing. Would you yeah. guys go to a silent disco? <laughs> no. no. I, I want to go to silent. Like, I just want to see what it's like. I think it would be weird. I'm awkward enough, but I'd rather not do that. I'd rather be singing along at the same time. No, but you would be. But just... To the same you song. still could sing. No, not to the same song. I mean, you can. Like, if you sync it up oh, and all that. Man, but... Why would you do that? Man? What's the point in that? That's a waste I mean, of money. You all... can do that at home. You could do that at home for free. Yeah, but you can dance at home for free. Yeah. Then why go to a club? I never said anything about going to a club anyways, but you know, I'm just saying oh, okay, about that fair, logic. Fair, fair. <laughs> but no, like Silent Disco would be great. Because you, you've seen the ones where they've got like different channels and things. I've, yeah, I've, like, heard, I've heard, yeah, heard about them, yeah. But the issue would be, I'd probably look around and be like, wait, these people are dancing to a different beat than I, and now I feel stupid. So I'm just <laughs> going to stand in this corner and wait. These, I'll be so tempted to just be like, take off my headphones and be like, yeah, this is weird. Just like, thing, though, watch you, people dance without any music. But like, you'd imagine it to be silent, right? But you'd probably hear like the scuffing of shoes on the floor. If there's booze involved, there'd just be people belting whatever they're listening to. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got this terrible kind of round going where everyone's singing different songs from different channels. Yeah. Do you know when those moments occur when you hype people up and you go like, A, A, and then you're like, how, how does that go then? And like, <laughs> is one person aiming at something else in the same circle as someone else? Like the one, with the, the one with the channels that Joe mentioned. Like if you're in a large group, you are going to have like there would be a there would be some of you on the same thing wavelength. Yeah. Hey. Surely that would be like if I was here to one of those in a group, which I don't know why I'd ever go solo. So of course I'm going in a group. Yeah. It would be almost like you're you're mandated. You are on channel three, and you do not diverge unless we all agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hamish, this is just a good solution to a problem that you could occur, you could face. Yeah, I know, but I'm hoping that will never happen. That's why I go in concerts, because it's just easy. But obviously, soon come. Soon come, <laughs> soon come the day for that. Yeah, hopefully soon. Uh, yeah, moving on to Sahawi and the episode. Joe is like, we have some final questions, a call out and a shout out. So we start off with the final questions. And first one is... What is on your bucket list? Yeah, I regret this already. I did not think what's on my bucket list, guys, I'll be honest. Skydiving? Um, skydiving? skydiving would be awful. Are you kidding me? But Throw yourself like... at the ground and hope this bit of thin fabric catches you. No, thank yeah, you. Mad. That's what I like to tell people. Then like, I was like, okay, fair enough. If you want to just jump off and kill yourself. Is live again. a long and happy life bucket list material? Or does bucket list need to be spontaneous and wild? Honestly, I don't know. What, you know I what? don't know how to do I'm not sure if it is, but you know what? We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> a long and meaningful Excellent. life. Thanks, guys. And happy. Obviously. Appreciate it. <laughs> the second question is, what is your favorite emoji? Oh, well, so this is a, it's technically three emojis in one. That's fine. 
So you know, like you got like the hands going going to the side. Yeah, hands, just like pointing. Just like yeah, like just to the side, pointing to the side. Okay. Imagine I'm wearing sunglasses right now. Mm-hmm. Is right. that finger to the side? Oh, sunglasses, so dude. Finger to the side. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. It's the best thing. It, it brings me so much joy to send. <laughs> Everyone hates it. They're like, Joe, why are you doing this overused joke again and again? Why? Why? What, what does it mean? Like, what's it? It's just like mean? some dude with shades giving the finger guns. Like, uh, hey. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it means but, a lot. Well, to me. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna type it in my thing now and see. Just, I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, please do. Oh, it goes both ways as well. He's got. Oh, it goes got... both ways. <laughs> yeah, it's perfection. Yeah, there he goes. That's I guess the there's no one that points at himself, is it? Like some egotistical one. I mean, you can you can also point outwards if you're anyone. If, if you're feeling particularly crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Awesome. Third and final question. So this is a question we ask every guest, and that is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? I also have another question to your question. Can I do fifth wheeling? Yeah, yeah, fifth wheeling, seventh wheeling. So it would be wheeling. the vacation Disney when I started chatting to Melissa, my parents, my brother, and my brother's girlfriend were there. I was the fifth wheel. So I was resorting to dating apps in the lines to rides. And that's how <laughs> I met Melissa. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good story to do. Yeah, that's a good story. You can say you technically met at Disneyland by that logic. Technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> Christ. Technicalities. The second last bit is a call out slash nomination. So you can call out or nominate as many people as you want to hopefully be a guest on the third wheel in the future. I'm going to pick my favorite first year drinking friend, Joshua Bond. Well, Joshua Ooh. Bond, that's his second call out. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll send a message and see if we can get him on. Time to harass him. <laughs> Last bit shout out. So, basically, anything you just want to give a shout out to, give a plug, can be literally anything. Now's the time. So, yeah, do you have anything? I'd like to give a very personal shout out to The Third Wheel. Great hosts, oh, hey. wonderful people. Uh, check them out if you haven't already. Is that the first shout out we had? Might be the or the first official right. shout out. We you, you don't need to pay me for it. It's, <laughs> I, I have nothing to shout out. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Third Wheel got it. Do you know what? I'm going to shout out The Third Wheel as well because I also have nothing to shout out. <laughs> um, and so you can shout out Twitch, you, you can shout out Yash's book. All right, let's do Yash's book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yash's book. I was going to say Yash's book, Twitch. I think I'm going to stream right after this podcast ends right now. What else is that? And then some of my music, there's like a new album by LD called Who's Watching? And one by Jammo called Rude Boy. So go listen to that if you don't. I was going to list a bunch more, but I think those two will do for this episode. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Joe, for coming on. And that's Thank catching you. up. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Awesome. Hope everyone else has enjoyed it. And we'll just speak to you next week. Have a good day, everyone. Right, see you guys. Bye. Bye. The studio is my second home. That's why I have it in my bedroom. I really do this all on my own. A shark quarry at my brother home. He was here from the day one. I'm not gonna lie, he's a real one. In my team, there are no fake ones. It's a fake love, no, I don't want. I can't lie.